Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 211, week 14 review. Man, it's here. It's the last week of the regular season and Dynasty managers are fighting for the playoff spots and bye weeks this week. Uh, teams' fates were definitely sealed and playoffs begin next week. As for me personally, not that you maybe care, but I made the playoffs in four out of my nine dynasty leagues, uh, finishing first in two of them, securing some bye weeks, so that was good. Uh, but I also managed uh, for the second time in my dynasty career to earn the 1.1 in one of my leagues too, so I'll at least have one share of Bijan Robinson hook'em horns for me, so we'll see how things go. Uh, I wish the NFL didn't give us six you know, teams with bye weeks on week 14, that's so terrible. Um, that made a, made it pretty tough if you were fighting for those last playoff spots. It made the last week pretty frustrating. But still, after following all the Week 14 games, I've got a couple observations. Uh, there's still some trades and that took place in my leagues and the leagues that don't have trade deadlines. And um, talk about just two guys that I might consider on the waiver wire here that might be dynasty pickups for us. So just a couple observations first from Week number 14. First would be, uh, I'll call good Goff. Not good grief, but good Goff. Uh, Goff has played incredibly well uh, this season and not just I mean he may not just be like an every week starter in Superflex leagues uh, he's forcing the Lions to consider him as a quarterback of their future which is wild because when this season began I just assumed that the Lions would draft a quarterback with one of their uh, two first round picks next season but now I think that they may have to choose you know if they want to build around Goff who's actually under contract for two more seasons uh, he scored more than 20 points the last three weeks in a row and he scored 29 on Sunday Going into this week, 16 of 19, uh, uh, 19 touchdown passes from Goff came from within the red zone. Not, not really any deep, deep balls. The other uh, three that he had up to this point of this week were 22 yards, 22 yards, and 32 yards out. This week, however, uh, he did two of his three touchdowns for more than 40 yards. I really think that DJ Chark and Jamison Williams uh, provide the speed on the, that the team was lacking. You know, While they were recovering from their injuries, now they're back on the field. And both of them caught a touchdown pass of 41 and 48 yards. Pretty awesome. The Lions would really be wise to consider if their team would benefit from actually continuing to put weapons around Goff um, and maybe even build up their defense so they're not so one-sided. If so, Goff's dynasty value, which you know was set to just kind of tank after this season, could really remain in the mix as a reliable starter in, you know, every week in Superflex leagues. I mean, I have him started in one of my Superflex leagues and, and see him as pretty reliable at that point. So Goff maintaining some dynasty value and kind of building up you know the players around him from a fantasy standpoint as well detroit and dynasty managers are going to have some decisions to make regarding golf next would be uh what i call no longer jags no longer jags uh, one game doesn't make a season for sure but two of the veteran players proved on sunday that they aren't just jags or just another guy anymore and i'm referring of course to two players who are jaguars so they're still a little, little double entendre for you here but Evan Ingram and Zay Jones, they were, you know, added to the Jaguars team, you know, in free agency last March. And they've earned starting roles with the team and increased their dynasty value uh, this season, uh, really after years of decline. 
Uh, Ingram was a tight end number one this week in fantasy. I guess I'm recording here before Monday night, but I don't think anyone's going to pass him up on Monday night. But he was number one um, after catching 11 of 100 passes for 162 yards and a touchdown. And then Jones was second on the team with 12 targets, which he turned into eight catches, 77 yards, and a great concentration catch for a touchdown. Jones and Ingram have both struggled with drops this year for certain, but Trevor Lawrence is keeping them, uh, keeps going to them and just giving them more opportunities even though they drop balls. Ingram is the sixth leading tight end in targets and fifth in yards. Imagine that, sixth and leading in a tight end in targets and fifth in yards in the NFL. And then surprisingly, Zay Jones is the 20th wide receiver in targets and 30th in yards, making him a solid wide receiver three from that standpoint. Uh, Ingram is a player that I tried to acquire via trade a lot when he moved over to Jacksonville. And Jones is a player that I added uh, to almost all of my teams off the waiver wire after he signed with Jacksonville. Uh, Jones has been you know, a steady starter in most of my lineups this season. I only have Ingram in one league uh, where I actually have Mark Andrews as my, as my starter. But this week, going into the playoffs in that league, I really need to consider starting Ingram this week, uh, especially with Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley you know, being injured. I'm not sure if I can even start Mark Andrews over Ingram. Who would have ever thought that you would say that? Uh, definitely, these guys are no longer Jags. They are fantasy-relevant players again, uh, Everett Ingrams and Zay Jones. Next, I'll call it a giant find. Giant might be a, uh, a too big of a word, but you'll see why I say giant. Uh, two of the players that are, I added most to my teams this year during the season were Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins. Uh, they were, you know, made spot starts for me this season, and I'm really happy to have them on my rosters going forward because they've risen to be the Giants' depth chart their top two wide receivers, especially while Wondell Robinson is injured. Uh, Coach Dayball, if you remember, he knows Hodgins from his time in Buffalo where Hodgins was drafted, but he was drafted there just before the team added Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley, making it pretty impossible for him to crack the depth chart in his rookie season. Uh, now he's with Dayball again with far less competition ahead of him than with the Giants. And he and Slayton, you know, their skills really complement each other too. Slayton's the burner. He's definitely a better downfield target, while Hodgins is definitely better possession receiver. It's likely that Giants, you know, are going to draft a wide receiver or may bring in more competition via free agency this year, uh, but they might not. And if they don't, I feel like I backed into two starting wide receivers this season just off the waiver wire uh, with Slayton and Hodgins. Definitely only startable in deep leagues, but I've used them as spot starts, even started Hodgins this week and was happy that he caught a touchdown and kept one of my teams in the playoff hunt, um, most likely going to the playoffs, depending on what happens on Monday night. Next player I'll mention is, uh, I'll call it getting chiggy with it. Chiggy. We're talking about Chig Aquanko. Uh, 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 he scored his first touchdown since week four and a two-point conversion. And he's steadily, this is the good part, he's steadily seeing his role increase with the Tennessee offense. Uh, his snap count has risen in the recent weeks from 19 to 32 to 33 this week. And if you combine the last two weeks, he's actually combined for more snaps than Austin Hooper, who is the starting tight end in Tennessee. Uh, Chig was a sleeper in rookie drafts, and I drafted him late in several tight end premium leagues. That's pretty exciting. But a few weeks ago, I added him to almost all of my rosters where there was not a manager wise enough to already have him on their rosters, which in a few cases there was. Uh, he's still available in your leagues. If he is, this is the last week that you're going to be able to pick him up because he is on the rise and everyone's going to know his name soon. Fun to see Chig get more involved in the offense, and he's going to be uh, possibly one of those next breakout tight ends. So fun for him. Next observation, I'll just call it the, the toe tapper. The toe tapper, referring to Tyler Lockett. He's one of the best toe tappers in NFL history and is extremely underrated as a dynasty asset, even at his age. 
I remember a manager offering him to me two years ago for a second-round pick in the rookie draft, and I was happy just to swap that swap that pick out and take Lockett. Um, I gladly accepted that. Even in his age 30 season, he's currently ninth in receiving yards and fourth in touchdowns. He's that good. He's just that good. Uh, he had a couple of crazy toe-tapping catches on Sunday, including one for a touchdown. He's going to finish the season as a wide receiver one again, and likely ahead of his teammate, DK Metcalf, his youth makes him, you know, a better dynasty asset for sure, but he's no more productive than Lockett so long as he's with the Seahawks. They are neck and neck, and Lockett continues to surprise. I love watching Lockett play, and I wish I had him on more of my teams. So underrated, so fun, and really one of the best toe tappers of all time. What a couple great catches he had in that game on Sunday. And the last observation before we talk some waiver wire and trades, I'll call it... Uh, Purdy good-looking. I always like to make a couple puns here, so we'll call it Purdy good-looking. Brock Purdy. Man, he did more than just survive his first career start. He led the team to a blowout win over Tampa Bay um, in Tom Brady's Buccaneers. Uh, I don't want to put too much into one start, but Purdy looked fantastic on Sunday uh, against really a blitz-happy defense that didn't confuse him at all. He completed 76% of his passes through two touchdowns, and he could have even been more productive, but the game got so out of hand that they didn't really need to rely on him. The, or the passing game very much. It's not hard to think of Tom Brady while you're watching him on the same field with Tom Brady the GOAT, but Purdy, he could be the next Brady. Uh, it's a little too soon to say, but you couldn't help draw those comparisons when they're on the same field. He's going to have a few weeks to do it too, and if he does lead the 49ers into a long playoff run, Coach Shanahan would be really stupid not to consider Purdy his starter for next season, or at least allow him to compete, compete with Trey Lance, even though Trey Lance has way greater draft capital. Um, Purdy, you know, is a, is, could prove himself and find himself doing the Tom Brady thing. Uh, Dynasty managers really, you know, had had a great time bidding on him last week. He was definitely the highest bidded player upon in super flex leagues, rightly so. And I think if you're uh, considering a possible future starter, and, you're, you know, if you pick up a future starter, a quarterback in a super flex league off the waiver wire in week 14... It's like striking gold. He just struck gold if you got him on the waiver wire. Unfortunately, I did not have enough money or fab and uh, to acquire him in any of my super flex leagues. But I'm going to try to add him even in single quarterback leagues this week if it's not too late. Uh, a lot of my single quarterback leagues, people have already added him as well. Uh, what a great start. And, um, you know, can't make too much out of one start. But, man, he looked good. We're going to see what he has to do here in these last few weeks. And if he does do well, he really will earn the right to compete with Trey Lance next year. On the waiver wire for this week, um, if you are looking in the waiver wire, there's not much there, but I'll mention two players kind of in the same breath would be Amari Rogers and Chris Moore, both receivers for the the Texans. Uh, Chris Moore has played well the, the last few weeks with Brandon Cooks out of the lineup, and then Amari Rogers played well this week because Nico Collins was out as well. So these were some of the top receivers for the Texans' uh, poor offense. Rogers actually scored his first touchdown of his career on Sunday, and Moore caught 10 passes, so both of them did well. One or both of them, you know, could help dynasty teams in very deep leagues in the playoffs this season, uh, but neither really are long-term dynasty assets because Cooks and Collins, you know, really are going to be the Texans' leading receivers for the future. But that does leave a third spot available, and so maybe with the Texans more, you know, or or Rodgers could come back and help someone. <clears throat> As for picking a player up, I think Moore is a better player to pick up for this season. If you're in a really deep league, you know, where you can start multiple wide receivers, more, you know, could be a player that you start here the rest of the season in a super deep league. But Rodgers is a little bit more intriguing from a dynasty perspective just because he was a third-round draft pick. 
by the Packers two years ago, and he had an excellent college career at Clemson. And so Rodgers maybe is a little bit more intriguing from a dynasty perspective to add as kind of the last player on your roster here at this point of the season. Believe it or not, I'm in a couple leagues that uh, still have no no trade deadline. So there were many trades that took place this last week. And one league is particularly interesting, so I'll describe to you how this league works. And in that league, a bunch of trades went down this week, so I'll kind of explain it. Uh, First was a trade that I smashed accept to, and that was Trevor Lawrence. was traded for Tyler Algier, a 2023 first-round pick, and $634 of rookie auction cash. I'll mention what that looks like here in a minute. But Trevor Lawrence for Algier, a first-round pick, and a lot of cash, which I'll mention how that worked. Um, I accepted this trade offer for the Lawrence in a, in a super flex league where I'm the fifth seed in the playoffs. It looks like I'm kind of locked into that role. My roster needs a bit of luck to advance in the playoffs, that's for sure, but Lawrence is the one who could help me. But I didn't really make this move for this season. I really made it for the future because I started the season, get this, started the season in a super flex league with Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz as the only two starting quarterbacks on my roster. It was a um, it was a auction league where I kind of took over an orphan and it was kind of the, all the teams that were taking over orphans. We all got to do like an auction for all the players left over on those rosters and chose to go kind of the scrubs route. Ended up with Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz as my starting quarterbacks on my roster. You know, that didn't work out too well. Uh, the only reason that I stayed competitive in this league is because I also had Andy Dalton on my roster. So I kind of backed into another starting quarterback. It's a 14-team league, so starting quarterbacks are very hard to come by. At least now I have one quarterback who's sure to be the starter next season because the rest might not be, that's for sure. Andy Dalton, Matt Ryan, and Carson Wentz could all be on the bench next year. Um, but I was happy then to give away first-round pick in Algier and even this money, like I said, to, to secure myself having at least one starting quarterback for the future. Now let me talk about this money. This is kind of interesting. Uh, if you are into kind of alternative leagues, this is a pretty unique league that I've never done something like this before. But our rookie draft is actually an auction draft. And so each slot is equivalent to a certain amount of cash. And then the cash can be accumulated to bid on any rookie player that you have. So for instance, the 1.1 is worth $1,000 and the 1.6 is worth $620 and so on. It just kind of each pick kind of goes down the line, goes down the line and that told you it's a 14 team league. So when the guy acquired $634 from me, uh, that was basically the value of the 1.6. So essentially I gave up Algier and the 1.6. Um, and my first round pick, which looks like it's going to be about 1.10. If you total all those together, that's about $430. So he ended up getting about, let's just estimate, depending on how the playoffs go, he got about $1,100 of rookie auction money from me in the trade, which I thought was still worth it for having a starting quarterback like Lawrence on my team. Uh, knowing that, uh, this trade makes sense for this owner too, because he's you know uh, trying to rebuild his team and he's been selling a lot of players just to get as much cash as he can for the rookie drafts. What's crazy, though, about this draft, or about this league, too, is the cash actually rolls over from one year to the next. That's why I still had $634 left from last year's rookie draft. And so the team you know, that acquired all this rookie money, he actually doesn't mean that he's going to have the most money because there's some managers in this league who have actually collected so much money that they're going to have even more money than him rolling into this next uh, 2023 rookie draft. So pretty interesting draft. I uh, hope that provides a little bit of context. Reach out on if you'd like to hear more about how this league works. It's new to me. I just took over this orphan this year. so. But I'm in the playoffs, and so let's see what happens. Uh, there, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. So similarly in this league, that same manager took Tyler Algier and Pat Fryermuth, and he traded them 
for 2023 second and fourth round picks. Uh, after acquiring Algier from me, from me, like I said, he flipped him and Fryermuth for two more picks. This is a tight end premium league, so I much prefer the players in this pick uh, over the over the the picks, the second and fourth round pick for Pat Fryermuth. That's almost worth it in and of itself in a league like this. But that said, this guy acquired two hundred dollars more to compete in the twenty twenty three rookie auction. So he's just collecting rookie money that he can bid in this next class. A similar trade in that league was Travis Homer was traded for fourth and fifth round picks. In that trade, that fourth and fifth round picks amounted to about sixty to seventy-five dollars of rookie cash, depending on you know where the team ends in the playoffs. It's a fair amount to give up, you know, to try to win a week, which is what this manager was trying to do. He was trying to win a week just to get into the playoffs. Unfortunately for him, it looks like he's not going to make the playoffs because uh, Homer didn't do enough to help his team win this week, and so uh, he's going to be sad that he gave up you know about seventy-five dollars of rookie cash to to try to win this week, and it didn't work out for him. And then get this, this is pretty crazy. In the same league, I know it's a little hard to understand, Josh Allen was traded for a 2023 first, third, fourth, and fifth round picks. So basically his entire draft picks minus the second round. First, third, fourth, and fifth for Josh Allen. In that same league, the top team in the league got even stronger by giving up all those picks to add Allen. Now let's just assume that he wins the Super Bowl. If he wins the Super Bowl, these, these four picks accumulate to about $410 of rookie auction money. And that's not enough money to buy Josh Allen in a Superflex league. So I much prefer Allen um, in a very complex league like this. You know, it's going to be next to impossible to topple this team in the playoffs, too, now that they've added Josh Allen to their roster. But I'm going to try my best. Like I said, I'm going in there limping with now Trevor Lawrence as my quarterback and Andy Dalton as my two quarterbacks leading my team. Uh, it's going to be really hard to compete with this top team who just sold everything he had to get Josh Allen to make his team even stronger in his playoff run. Interesting league. I'm not sure that I like it, but I'm enjoying uh, enjoying the process of it. Uh, pretty fun. Now back to a more traditional league. There were two more trades that took place in one of my 10-team leagues where we uh, play all the way through next week, so the season still doesn't end until next week. In this 10-team league, only four teams make the playoffs, and so we still have the waiver or the trade uh, deadline has not hit. It actually comes up about, uh, I think, the last week of the season, uh, right before the playoffs. And so in this league, uh, one manager uh, decided it was time to sell and made his team a lot younger by making trades like this. Uh, Mike Evans and Mark Andrews in a 2023 second and third were traded for Javante Williams, Jameson uh, Jameson Williams, and a 2023 first. So two Williams, Javante Williams, Jameson Williams, and a first-round pick for Mike Evans, Mark Andrews, and a 2023 second and third. like I said, one manager decided it was time to get younger and the other's making a push for the playoffs. Uh, Mike Evans would be easy to give away for one of these younger players in a pick for sure. Mark Andrews, however, is much tougher to give up, but I think the price is about right, though. Uh, he took a good haul of players and picks uh, from this competitive, you know, to make this, you know, from this competitive team to give them what they need. I think a key to this whole thing, it's going to take some time to see, is Javante Williams. If he returns to the field next year with no effects from his injury, I definitely like the Williamses. We'll call them the Williamses side of the trade. Javante Williams and Jameson Williams side of this trade. Time's going to tell on that that end of it for sure. And then the team that acquired Andrews is the uh, you know is the second best team in the league, and I think has probably the actual best roster. Uh, he, he's probably one of the only teams that can compete with the first place team. And his only weakness is a tight end, and so he was willing to give up this much, you know, to try to acquire Andrews. However, um, you better hope that Lamar Jackson gets back during the fantasy playoffs because Andrews has been, you know, pretty terrible without it. 
Uh, Huntley made him look good last year, but then Huntley got hurt too. So this could all backfire on the one that kind of tried to make a run for this year with Andrews. Still a great dynasty asset for sure. Mike Mike Evans is fading. Um, I think if I was to judge, I would really like the younger side of this trade to get Williams and Williams and a first-round pick. That's pretty nice to me. And then similarly, the same team that was trying to get younger traded away DeAndre Hopkins in a 2023 sixth-round pick for Drake London in a 2023 second-round pick. Now, I love the London side of this trade. I would easily have traded Hopkins for London without ever getting a pickback. The fact that he was able to get a second-round pickback in the deal is nuts to me. Uh, Hopkins is definitely kind of a win-now move by a team that's going to try to make a run in the playoffs, but that's too high of a price to pay for the future. Should not give up on Drake London that easy. And then he was able to add a second-round pick to it. Man, um, I would take that any day right now, no matter what my team roster would be. So like what that team did, shout-out to the Smoke Monsters, my buddy. Uh, shame. He did good making these trades to get younger. I'm jealous that I didn't make the same type of moves because this is the league when I was competing for the last spot. And I have no hope. Even my Monday night players can't help me. I am out in that league in which I had made a similar type of trade. All right, that's a wrap for week number 14. Fun week. I really hope you do well in your playoffs. Or remember when we're losing, we're winning. Hopefully you're winning by losing if you're not in the playoffs. Appreciate it if you'd stay active and keep listening. And we'd love to talk with you anytime, make it a two-way conversation by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's. I'm much better on email than I am on Twitter, so contact me that way. I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast, an Apple podcast. That would mean a lot to me. Thanks so much for listening this week. Good luck in your playoffs. I want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do in the playoffs. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.